All right. Welcome to Dark Guidance. I'm Chris. Uh, I'm Pete. And I'm Aaron. All right. Well, welcome to this cast. Unfortunately, Brian couldn't make it tonight, but I did bring with me two of my other members of the Team Australia, Flaming Galaz. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Thanks man. Good to be here. All right. Both of you at the same time. Excellent. <laughs> um, I figured tonight, well, look, we, we've had the WTC. It's now about a month or so past. And while we are definitely reliving those memories, because they're quite frankly really happy ones, I figured that we should probably talk about something that isn't just like how we did the WTC, because we did fucking amazing. Um, instead, I figured I'd bring along the two guys who are responsible for the matchup pairing process and a whole bunch of the other things, because there's a lot of random stuff that happens during the WTC that's a bit like not really look, looked into or talked about. And part of it is how the drafting system works. I figure it'd be something different to talk about, and it's also a good stepping stone for us to launch into random anecdotes about shit that happened at the WTC. So first up, Batesy, can you introduce yourself to us? Uh, g'day, my name is Peter Bates. I uh, was fortunate enough to be the captain of the Flaming Galahs this year, which I was pretty stoked at. Um, I've played War Machine for, I don't know, six, seven years now. I'm more, probably more well-known for playing Menoth, but I took up Mercenaries two years ago when when Whaley, Potsy, Jeff and uh, Josh Bates and I were at the last WTC in 2016, and I saw Jeffy get absolutely smashed by um, by Martian uh, carrying an Ostrom list, and ever since then I, I needed to play some Ostrom. So <laughs> I, I would say that I play Mercs, but essentially I just play Ostrom. It's great. I'm glad to see things haven't changed that much. And Whaley? <laughs> Yes, just in case you don't know who I am, uh, my name is Aaron. Um, been playing a little bit of War Machine uh, probably around the same time as Pete. Uh, getting on to uh, about yeah, seven or so years now, uh, probably close to eight actually. Um, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's um, just being here talking about it, reliving this uh, moment again, mate, it's pretty exciting for all of us. I know we all work pretty hard and uh, obviously for you, Chris, uh, going be the first person to win it twice, also pretty exciting. So it's uh, it'll be pretty cool for us just to kind of talk about it again and uh, you know through our thought process of how it all went and uh, allow us to relieve some of those moments. Looking forward to it. Ah, definitely. Uh, I'm even in back in my room casting today, so I've got full view of my trophy cabinet with its two WTC yeah. trophies. Nice <laughs> <laughs> for some. Always a troll. Always a troll. All right. So, for those who aren't aware of how the WTC team process is um, drafting process, don't worry, it's completely unexplainable. And I do mean that. Like, every attempt I've seen for someone to try and do a Cliff Notes version of it ends up being longer than the actual published result of how the WTC team process works. Um, effectively, it is a kind of draft where you can offer up players and then those players get to pick between two different matchups so you have two things going on here one you want to lead out with players who theoretically don't really have that many bad matchups ideally you want to lead out with someone who has only one bad matchup in any given circumstance because then you can avoid said bad matchup when you're presented two lists and then on the flip side if you see someone get put out you basically want to pin them with two lists where it doesn't matter which one they pick they're fucked um this, of course, leads into one tiny problem, is that both teams have completely different opinions of how things go. Yeah, that was definitely one thing that uh, I think Pete and I were um, not, not really shocked, but surprised in, in relation to, um, you know, 
our pre our pre pairing discussion, um, you know, we were, we were basically uh, going through the process of, of um, and our tactic, as you mentioned, Chris, was to avoid bad matchups. We're kind of thinking to ourselves, you know, kind of playing out how we think they're going to operate or how they're going to react. And you know, we put down player A, they're going to put down B and C, so on and so forth. And there were definitely a couple of occasions um, where you know, players that came down for us to choose were not what we expected at all. Mm. That, was, that was certainly something that I found pretty pretty surprising. I, I would agree with that. I think over the six rounds that we had, we had two really, really difficult rounds in terms of matchup draws. And um, Lally and I, we, we were doing the matchups and we, we probably took, I don't know, at least 10 minutes to go through uh, England Knights and to go through Canada Beaver. We really, I think, in Canada, um, England Knights' case... Uh, uh, was it England Knights or was it... Yeah, it was Knights. Yeah, 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 definitely Knights. not. Cool. Definitely not. Yeah, Lions was the other one. Yeah, that's right. It was, it was a bit amusing. Whale and I were, were chatting for a while, for you know, a good five minutes, and then we sort of came to the conclusion of, oh, oh well, let's just bloody roll the dice to see who gets to choose first, because, you know, I changed everything, obviously. <laughs> like, we'd done all, done all this pre-talk without even knowing um, who was going to put up first. But then, if I remember correctly, mate, they, they put up first that round. Correct. Yeah, so they... They, we won that roll. They put up first, um, which was good for us because it was a terrible grid for us. And I, I think we almost hoodwinked them into to putting um, their Grimkin player in a position where we, we did in general have great a great grid into Grimkin throughout the entire event. And um, we got off pretty lightly um, for him, and we were able to sandwich him between me and you, Chris, on that round. And for the yeah. most part, that was our dire matchup. Um, and then against Beaver, I I thought it was we very... lost that dice roll. We, we lost that dice roll against Beaver. Yeah, and, we did. Um, it was interesting because, and I obviously I've I've talked about it on a few other casts as well. And leading into it, um, you know, again, I think our strategy was sound, but certainly we used not all of our luck, but we used a little bit of luck in that uh, in those games. I mean. Uh, you know the way that the way that Jeff won his game, and obviously the matchup that I got into, I got into David, and I thought, I thought I was pretty confident, and he thought he was very confident. In hindsight, he was very confident, but uh, I just managed to uh, dodge a bullet there and squeeze out that win. Um, but it was interesting how, you know, we we obviously they had double cricks, and we had Potsy, and, and um, you know, we 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 tried very very hard to keep him out of these matchups that he didn't want to play in, and I think I was. One of the things I think we were most proud of was we, we actually achieved that in um, every single round. You know, like we we, we got him into um, <clears throat> a winnable matchup for him psychologically, and you know what we uh, what we what we thought for not just him but but everyone. You know, we thought that you know we weren't necessarily uh, favoured, but we were definitely not disfavoured. So, and I think that kind of it took a took a huge part for our success because some of those tight rounds where we're winning three two, um, you know, it wasn't. It, it was kind of unfortunately if someone dropped a game, but then somebody else stepped up and and kind of covered that shortfall. And I think our pairings made a big difference in that. Yeah, well, there's two things I want to get into here. One, it wasn't like ten minutes; it was like goddamn fifteen minutes. I know this because I was like basically trying hard not to freak out while 
especially during the like the Polish rounds and the Canada ones. Um, like the final round, you guys also you spend less time because basically the organizers, if I remember right, were like, "Hurry the yeah. fuck up!" <laughs> they, they put us on a clock, which is fair yeah. enough. You know? like, a little bit of clock pressure is quite good in a way, but uh, yeah. it was to play five rounds not on the clock, and then suddenly, oh, let's get it sorted. Um, but that worked. That we we had a good and okay grid into uh, Poland Central, so so that wasn't yeah. too difficult for us. I think. I think there's, there's there's a bit of value in terms of the way that we actually did our pairings in terms of maybe not so much intimidation, but the, um, there was a level of confidence just because, I don't know if you guys or Chris, you've talked about this on the cast before, it was just Whaley and I who did the grids and um, there were benefits to that because we had three of the guys who were checking the tables and making sure if the tables was a bigger advantage and not to um, be detrimental between uh, Jeff and uh, Potsy, but you... Chris have got an absolute encyclopedic knowledge of the game. So to have you be able to sit down with those guys and sort of say, this is how this list is probably going to play was, was, was pretty big, I think. And the fact that we just had two players standing up there and we, we just, it, it, it's easier in a way because you're not, you're not listening to five um, people yelling about this and being overtly excited saying that, Oh, I'm changing my grid at the last minute and saying, you know, I'm not good into this because of X, Y, and Z. But, mm. um, it, you, I wouldn't want to do the process alone, but doing it with two, I think, is the way to go, for sure. Yeah. Like, put it this way. Last year's... The, the whole reason I changed my approach from last year's WTC was because of the tables from last year's WTC, which were super skewed. So I thought, after, like, round one or even two, I'm like, right, someone needs to be basically on permanent duty looking at those tables because there's a whole bunch of wacky ones here. And... Yeah. Like, you got certain factions, like Circle in particular comes to mind, but also Legion with their Hellmouths, and you're like, okay, well, this matchup can be good or bad, but it might be completely unplayable if they get on this table, so we're going to have to factor that in. Um, like, for instance, how do you defeat a Hellmouth that's basically boxed in by buildings? You're like, well, shit, you don't. You just have to that's deal with that the entire game. Huh. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, what happened... Yeah, like, well, first of all, when you said you did the uh, grids, what you're specifically referring to is the matchups themselves, because that's actually, I think, a really big factor is we did the grids all pre-hand as a team, and this is one of the reasons, one of the secret reasons why we do these, like, giant, like, uh, pre-WTC, like, um, holidays, apart from the fact they're amazing, and they're really good fun, Um, it gives us time to basically, like... Shit talk, play matchups we haven't really cracked it into, especially because, you know, no meta has every damn matchup available to it. And therefore, you want to get as many games in on the games, you, the, the, I should say, factions you sort of feel weaker into because you don't really know what they do. Um, so we did a lot of that. And then that meant that when we were doing the grids again, we're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I rated this as a green. I lied. It's a red. <laughs> Stuff like that. And yeah, so it meant that, well, we have a bunch of trust in you because we've already done all the matchup grids. So it meant that I could basically, like, we could just look at the tables and see what we wanted to play. And yeah, I could sort of run through what the lists were prehand. Because yeah, there's just a lot of, especially with like Jeff and uh, Batesy, uh, sorry, Potsy, I was like, well, look, both of them are aware the way they lose games is to random gotchas. So it was my to basically point out all the random gotchas. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that um, I, think, I think that definitely worked well too. Like you know, just kind of pre-game, and as the pairings start, um, 
you know, if, if you're not the first cab off the rank, so to speak, and then you can kind of, um, you know, via process of elimination, you can kind of get an idea about kind of what potential matchup you're going to get into. And it's certainly great from a confidence point of view just to have someone like yourself, Chris, to be able to say, you know, remember this cast has got this ability or, you know, watch out for this this interaction. Um, you know, as I said, I think, I mean, obviously, depending on personalities, but I think it makes a big difference for people who enjoy that kind of feedback and I know our team definitely does we kind of gel very well in that regard and uh just gives you that that a uh, little bit more confidence to know that um you know what to watch out for um you know you 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 kind of give you a bit of a head start of potentially you know what your opponent's play style is going to be or what you're looking for also coupled with um you know if it's a if it's a scenario type caster and then you're looking at getting um, you know, been able to pick the best table, um, for argument's sake, to be able to minimise that too, definitely, uh, I believe, gives you um, a, a pretty good, um, you know, a pretty good head start going into the game. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, from a personal perspective, I think... Uh, oh, what was I going to say? Yeah, being able to just look at the... Um, like, you're right about one thing. Too many cooks sort of spoil the uh, broth, so to speak, um, with regards to how the matchup pairings go. So, yeah, being able to just take a load off and basically put that in um, the... <laughs> basically put that on the back burner was quite good. Um, like, I did the matchups last year, and it was it was quite a lot of work, but at the end of the day, we had a very similar setup. Like, usually I'd call over the person if we were doing the... Um, when it was their turn to go, and if, like, it was a coin flip, basically ask them which one they were more interested in. And, yeah, as for, like, uh, talking through the matchups, what I found is people just like a good sounding board who can just basically point out yeses and nos, because they probably have... Like, end of the day, if I'm talking with Potsy about how a, like, matchup's going to go, he does know minions better than I do, but he probably does appreciate it if I can just point out some of the things, especially from casters he wasn't aware of. Like, uh, the one that comes to mind was Resnick 2 in the final round. Because, I mean, it's a Polish list, so you don't know what anything does. Okay, that's point one. (laughs) Point two, uh, it's Resnick 2 and Cyrenia, and they're both in the wrong themes, quote-unquote. So, okay, that's strike number two. Step three, eventually, originally Potsy was thinking of playing Maylock, because mostly he hadn't dropped Maylock all tournament. And I'm like, then ran through the numbers, I'm like, wait a minute, that's the most terrible thing I've ever ever thought of ever. Please don't do that. (laughs) Please don't do that, Botsy. <laughs> like, I run through, like, wait a minute. Resnick has Spellpiercer, and Serenia, well, we tested that game of how Resnick plays, uh, like, uh, what was it, Maylock plays into double Judicate, and you remember how that one went. So I'm like, yeah, very quickly he didn't. He played Rask instead, and because he knew what he was doing with Rask, he ended up winning that game by playing the table, if I remember right. Um, Definitely. Exploiting... Yep buildings and stuff with Ghost Walk and using that to get threat on a huge base caster, which is one of, like, Rask's natural prey, so to speak. Yeah, that sort of factor going in. And yeah, in order to get... Purely because he's dead on mind tricks, Martian. That was all it was. (laughs) Vintage pots just absolutely owning him in the mind game. Oh, yeah. Go on. Also, also potentially, going back to that game, identifying... identifying, Spread the net, and and your your uh, if your opponent takes a particular list, they're only going to have a limit, limited amount of solos, and that was obviously a pretty big factor in that regard. I remember David talking about that 
um, you know, once he eliminated one of those solos, then, you know, he didn't have to worry about putting pressure on a particular part of the board because uh, his opponent was in no way positioned that he was able to score on that flag. So, you know, you don't need to contest something if you can't score on it. Um, and that obviously leads to, um, and obviously for us, because, we, again, we surprise, surprise, we won that round 3-2, but that was huge. Um, you know, unfortunately... I went down in my game, um, but uh, but yeah, Potsy obviously uh, Potsy was a, a, able to stand up. Just just uh, not getting too sidetracked, but I saw something funny about that. Obviously, David had won the uh, David had won the game, and um, remember the streamers come over and they basically said to him, "Oh, you know, do you think you could have assassinated with? Do you think you could have assassinated with uh, Big Pig?" Right. And, uh, and anyway, and then I, I, I mean, I don't want to drag it too long, but basically David's gone through the process of doing that. At that stage, I'm still playing, and that was when I had my critical term where I rolled Snake Eyes, and unfortunately my game turned on its head. And then I know that Potsy made the comment, this is why I don't go for assassinations. And then, and then I thought to myself, oh, far out. You know, we're, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately we're, we are about to lose the WTC. And then when I went over to him, he's like, no, no, I won the game, you know, but these guys wanted me to see if I could assassinate. So, you know, just from my mind, it was something that was like, you know, I'm like, as soon as I heard him say that, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, started to think, oh, it's the worst, but uh, it ended up being, uh, it ended up being a potsy rouge. And uh, it, it actually, it actually had it well in hand, which was good. Yeah, I'm looking at this list, and the problem is all the only solo it's got there that you want to contest with, or that you want to score with, is Billman. So if Billman dies, then yeah, what are you doing? You're Billman, running. Billman died to a counterblasting uh, spitter. <laughs> charged him, and then and then he announced, "Oh, I've counterblasted." And then, sure enough, I think he rolled like a, a an eleven on damage. He rolled fire. <laughs> yeah, absolutely ruined the guy. But um. I, I, I had the pleasure of uh, going to Estonia after the event with Jeff and, and Potts, and I li- listened to them uh, regale their incredibly close winnings in some of the rounds. And Potts' game, it's he. It was to the point whereby Resnick, Martian spent about you know five to or, or longer minutes measuring uh, Brian's threat range, and he meticulously places out a series of uh, large bases around to get around. The, the, the building that was in the centre of the zone, which is uh, right in the middle of the board. So, he's, like I said, he's, he spent a good ten, five minutes doing this, and then uh, Resnick is obviously 11 inches away from that the end point of that base. So he turns over clock, and the first thing that Potsy does, he says, so if I just give Ghost Walk to Brian, I can just move him here, which is... About three inches closer to Resnick than what he'd measured out with his final little uh, proxy. But the thing that was the worst uh, in terms of um, BMing uh, Martian is he actually <laughs> picked up Martian's proxy base that he'd left and he used that proxy base to where Brian was going to land in, in only like 11 inch, uh, nine inches of um, Resnick. And then he proceeded to never move that proxy base for the rest of the game. So now Resnick is just fuck, fuck, all the way, fuck away from that. <laughs> Nowhere near it. And then on that turn, so at that point, we'd already got a win, which was Chris, and we'd already got a loss, which is Jeff. And Potsy was next to me, and I was, I was sandwiched between the big boys and Wiley and Potts. But Potsy, he leaned over to talk to Jeff, and he said, how are we going for the round? And he said, oh, well, 1-1, one, one, I lost my game, and Chris won his. And he says, well, it's a bit close, so I better not go for the assassination. And I've heard Potsy say this, and I'm just like, oh, my fucking God, we've definitely lost that game if Potsy's in about going for the assassination because that is not a Potsy play. Not no, at all. Not, so, not at all. 
<laughs> yeah, just classic. No. I mean, they, those two guys, you definitely say that they're, and that's what I'm most proud of, mate. They're our, definitely our two veterans between the two of them, you know, between ETCs and War, uh, Warhammer events and all sorts of stuff. Those guys have definitely racked up uh, heaps and heaps of times. And the fact that we won with those two, that's oh. one of the things that definitely <laughs> makes it extremely special for me. Um, you know, and particularly, as I said, we needed Jeff in round five and he pulled out some magic. And we needed Potsy in round six, and he pulled out some magic. And just those, t- you know, just those two games, you know, and obviously, as we've all touched on, um, you know, spending the week with the fellas and, you know, all the work that they both did behind the scenes and so on and so forth. It was just oh, can I get into that, by the way? Like, round five. We had. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, sorry, because that so is a good Tuesday story of Jeff's game. <laughs> oh, the round five Jeff game, yeah. I think that's been told on. But just, like,. Work behind the scenes. So this is the stuff that sort of makes these trips. This is one of the reasons I fucking love going to WTC, especially with the Australian team. Is So Tuesday, they, uh, like, Potsy is just like, oh, yeah, make sure you guys come around at, like, about 8 o'clock for War Machine trivia or something like that. And I'm like, okay, uh, sure. And, like, Potsy is, generally holds his cards very close to his chest. So in this case, I'm like, okay, is this, like, some kind of troll thing? Or, All right, fine, I'll, I'll you know. I'll see what we can do. People are going to be probably apathetic or going out to dinner. And then Potsy shows up with this fucking seven binders, or was it eight binders worth of trivia questions? And he'd properly structured all of these out. It was like War Machine, not War Machine, War Machine, not War Machine. And it's like, well, so one of the the guys, Henty, had his girlfriend there. So it's just like, well, you know, she's going to be there at the trivia as well. So we're going to have some, you know, not War Machine questions. And thankfully, she was on my team. So that was good because there was a lot of War Machine she was awesome trivia. She kept yep. our team alive. We were getting the <laughs> We were so fucked. Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, and, yeah, it was like, oh, and, you know, the amount of work he actually did without ever letting any of this slip to any of us was, like, fucking hilarious. And because we all came in late, because we were like, oh, yeah, what's going on? Okay, it's like some trivia. All right, whatever. We'll just show up at nine. We ended up finishing, we're like, by popular acclaim, we finished it the next day, and he's like, well, you know, I made the final round, like, super easy, because it was just multiple-choice Australian questions, on account of he was expecting to do it in one day, and we were all drunk. I'm like, god damn, how much effort did you put into this? It certainly, and I think that's, you know, um, probably keeping it also relevant to WTC, it's that... It's that effort that we go to, and that camaraderie as well, I think, that makes a big, big difference. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's kind of like you know, you're in that situation. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, say that other teams and other players don't care and all the rest of it. But for us, I think it, as I said, I think you know, for all those people, you know, people playing team sports or involved in big team environments, people that that do that, um, I think it's very important in terms of, of of team building. And I think, I think it makes a big difference. You know, is it is it is it a significant enough difference? You know, there's going to make a huge result. Maybe, maybe not. But I just think in terms of for us and just the formula that I've been lucky to be introduced to, I think, you know, that we're on a pretty good formula. And I think, you know, obviously, uh, and I don't want to sound disrespectful or anything like that, but I think our results over over the over the previous WTCs with a lot of wonderful people that we've had that uh, have represented Australia before, including ourselves, uh, you know, from we're talking about from 2014 onwards, um, 
you know, I think part of that uh, reason or, or part of that success is goes heavily down to the preparation um, and the camaraderie and the activities that we do together um, and, and definitely, you know, uh, the whole part of that lead-up. Um, and, look, we come such a long way, um, you know, and it's just as important as to everyone else, nothing like that. But, uh, you know, we certainly, I, I just think our, our, the way that we approach it is very good. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think we, like... I went for the uh, Sorry, Pete, that again. Sorry, I think I lagged out a bit. Um, I, I essentially just went for the holiday. Like Whaley, Potsy, Jeff, and I—we've been talking about um, going back to the WTC. We, like I said, went two years ago with Josh, and it was a good, good year. And then we'd had uh, an after party, so to speak, in Thailand. And then we kind of lamented our losses in Thailand. And ever since then, it's been certainly me just waiting till I, I can get back there and get the holiday in. Um, in some ways, it's almost you, you've got this amazing week holiday with 14 other dudes, and then you just happen to play this cool uh, war machine at the tour and at the end of it. But it's kind of a second objective in some ways. Um, yeah, ex- just, exactly right. And, and it, it just kind of makes you set a line a bit, little bit sweeter that you go through all that, and even, you know, win, lose, or draw, you walk away. You're still going to have an amazing time, and you're going to have memories. Um, but then the fact that you just win just kind of just you know makes that just a little bit sweeter. Oh. On the, on the after trip that we had, um, it was almost like we had nothing to talk about because two years ago when we did the after trip, all we did was lament our losses. And, oh, if we did this, if I rolled slightly better dice on this roll, then uh, we would have won that game. We would have won the rounds. But no, it was none of that. It was, it was more so lamenting the fact of just how close we came to actually winning. Like, we, it just insanely close games and every single round was an absolute battle. So that's what yeah. most after the event was for us. It's just I can't believe we got through that round with a 3-2 win when it could have been, you know, a 1-4 loss. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, definitely. That's the funny thing, actually. And I talked about the last the last cast we did, but, like, I think the overall skill of most of the teams has just gotten better. So normally it used to be back in the day, you'd like, oh, okay, it's like France or something. Oh, easy round, easy win, easy games. And then you get fucking... And then, like, definitely last year, we got fucking flattened by France. Like, yeah. what the fuck happened here? And, like, in round two, we were up against one of the Italy teams. I'm like, is it the Italy, is it, like, their best team? I'm like, I can't tell. They're all really good. And all the grids look terrible on any of the teams. So who the hell knows? Um, well, and then, and then it's funny, too, because um, hats off to, obviously, Norway and France that did very well last year. And, obviously, it was the Czech Republic that, that really stepped up this year. They made themselves all the way through to the semi final. Their, their semi-final against uh, Poland was 3-2, could have gone either way. It was really tight. So um, it's really it's really hats off to, one, the event and to the world community about, you know, there's always people that are uh, always countries. You can never write anyone off, um, you know, and there's just a heap of respect between all the countries and the teams, you know, r- regardless of obviously a little bit of history with some individual rivalries and bits and pieces that are happening. But, you know... You can uh, you can never discount anyone because obviously they've done their homework. They played extremely well. Um, you know, if you have a, have a look at some of the videos, the streams, and their and their and their play style. You know, their play style is extremely good. Um, you know, and and everyone's kind of evolving, and and it's just interesting to see who's who's going to be the next one to take the step up. And and the bar just keeps getting raised, which is great. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like. If I compare it, honestly, um, I think one part of that is also the game has, I wouldn't say settled down, but um, 
No, in fact, it's sort of the opposite. It's like people are more used to these days prepping for a rather dynamic WTC that's going to have its own wacky meta. Um, whereas, like, previously, what we definitely did was we locked in lists early and we got, like, shit tons of reps in them as we could. And this year, it was, harder, it was much harder to do so, but we were also much more on the... Like, most of the teams were pretty on the ball new changes to the meta because no one really wanted to get caught out by some garbage like ghost fleet again but even stuff like the scenario pack and I mean, definitely i remember that was one of the big focuses of my prep was making sure we didn't get wrecked by that again because that was kind of bad last year um and yeah like there's just a lot more people talking there's a lot of just um i know in europe there's a lot of their uh meta uh there's a lot more european a pan-european meta these days because you've just got a bunch of events people are going to. Like, you've got people showing up to the Welsh Masters. You've got the European Championships now. You've got the events in Sweden. I think it's Battle for Lund now, the, the event that's sort of taken over from Iron Moot. There's just yeah. a lot of... And, like, even you've got Americans traveling more, which is nice. Um, you've got more people. Like, it's no longer such a crazy thing when a bunch of people just go to a tournament at, like, Gen Con and do it. Like, I think this year Gen Con was won by one of the uh, English, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely was. Yeah, exactly. Um, you're like... Uh, yeah, exactly. So you're like, a couple of years back, that would just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where did this guy come from? And now it's just like, well, this... Like, just took our tournament. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, no, it, it's, it's certainly good, isn't it, how, you know, people, as you said, people are travelling. And then what that, I think what that also leads into is a little bit of um, cross-pollinisation of metas as well because, you know, definitely there the last couple of years you kind of feel like you're, own, you're in your own little meta pocket. And, I mean, I know that we've all talked about it, all, all of us have talked about it in the past about, you know, I don't have to worry about this particular faction. Well, sorry. I'll just restate. This this particular faction is is uh, not very well played in my particular meta, so I don't see the problems that you're talking about. Um, because you know, in your meta, you know, this particular faction is everywhere. Um, and then it's interesting just how like you find tools to deal with things and your experience. That's another thing too. You know, like when we were talking with um, remember Pete, how we were talking with with some of the some of the very good German players and some of the other players due to just life work commitments and so on and so forth. It's just interesting how you kind of because some people are blessed and they can play, you know, hundreds of games, you know, in their preparation against all these different factions, all these different, uh, you know, all these different um, powerful casters, powerful lists, powerful themes. And some of us, you know, in the situation of, well, you know, like I might have had, you know, 50 games into this particular faction or 50 games in this matchup, but I've never played into this one, um, you know, or I've only just theorised into this one or some of the guys... Um, getting back to the point about some of the good German players, some of the guys having to have to play games against themselves. And it's just funny how people, their preparation, how they can utilise whatever tools they have. Um, and, um, you know, some of those good players, they just find a way, you know, either if they're using Vassal or, you know, just going to tournaments or travelling or playing games against themselves or whatever it is. It's just, it's just funny in terms of just, you know, the disparity of people's preparations, the disparity of people's exposure. But that, that gap is certainly shrinking by uh, these people willing to travel, um, you know, people putting efforts in, um, you know, like guys from Europe travelling over to Gen Con some years ago. I mean, obviously, Jamie P and whatnot, you know, led the way some years ago. There's definitely a fair bit of gap there, and that definitely didn't happen. And uh, I'm, I'm sure 
and I kind of hope as well. I'm sure you know, in the future, maybe some guys would come down to our big events, and I, you know, I've been pretty lucky to, to travel to some of the US, but it'd be great to potentially get over and do some of the European ones, uh, the European ones as well. Whatever, guys, happens. please come to CanCon. Please come to CanCon. It's a great event. Chili was going to come one year. We got Billy Cookshanks. We got Tom one year. Uh, Chili, Chili come as well. Yeah, yeah. Chili winners yeah. come as well. But uh, it's a bloody good event. Uh, you guys should come. January, late January, I think. Yeah, Australia Day weekend. And there's a whole lot of shit talk that's involved afterwards because you're, uh, you're playing with the strains. And that's, that's, we play okay War Machine, but we're better at shit talk, realistically. Yeah, definitely. Let's be honest, we're kind of mediocre when you get down to it. Better at War Machine. Yeah. yeah. Better shit talk. <laughs> uh, I... Um, I, as you guys know, I lived in England for two years, uh, and I got to know a lot of that meta over there. I got to know the, some of the Germans, some of the French, the Welsh guys, and uh, I can say, having two years ago playing games there, or three years ago now, and the, the quality has just got up and through and through. Like, our quote-unquote easier round was probably our first round against Finland, and the guy I played played an excellent game. Um, and we went 4-1 in that round, but I think... I think we there was games in which we won that we probably could have lost. I think Potsy could have lost his game. The guy, if I'd, I'd let him go another turn, he probably could have fought back and made a decent game of it. Your game, Whaley, was quite close as well. It was, yep. Uh, against the Xerxes player. Um, just never, ever got a, an easy round and never got an easy game, I think. Um, the whole merits. Oh. And it's super... Um, everyone is so tight as well, so clean. Which is what impressed me in a big way. Yeah, it's easier to be clean these days, which I think is probably one of the aspects of pre-measuring. And also, like, most people are, like, basically suitably, like, they're pretty easy going to start, and then they start tightening up towards the end, like, towards the middle of the end when things matter. So it's not like people are trying to gotcha anyone as much as they used to, because back when, you know, you don't know these people, they probably speak different languages to you, to be perfectly honest, and you've got different expectations. Um, the fact that now it's just... The WTC is like, sort of grown, and it's also with it, a lot of the world community, I think, has actually grown, and, yeah, there's no... Like, People are basically playing cleaner as a result of being like it's just being easier to do, but also because there's just more of a shared expectation of how these games are meant to go between the different area, different countries, which is really nice. Um, like I didn't really, I had like maybe one contentious game, and that was for other reasons, right? And then every other game was fucking smooth sailing, and we were basically all agreeing on certain points, and that was like all the measurement points, which I think is realistically. The part where you're going to, like, get some people getting fucked, which is when you're like, I thought I was in. You're out. Okay, well, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. When you both come to an agreement, okay, I intend to put it this part here, like, that just works, right? Yeah, it does. And I think, you know, that's, to me, I feel very strong about this. I think, you know, we all enjoy playing the game, and I, I, I strongly believe the... You know, just the general respect for everyone through all the different countries and all the different communities is 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 very high, um, and I think that definitely is a good good leader into um, 
making sure that there's there's good communication, there's good understanding, there's great mutual respect, um, you know, and there and there's no, you know, there's, there's there's very rare opportunities where you know people are trying to trying to really screw you over on a on a on an actual gotcha. You know, you want to play a nice clean game um, against someone. You know, you know, you're playing at the highest standards. Um, you know, and and obviously using that example about you know measurement, and obviously with all the tools now, and I think the way that the game is written as well, I think it's very very good environment, a very good rule set, you know, to prevent those uh, altercations or those situations happening in the past where you get those really negative play experiences where, you know, the game can be decided, sadly enough, between your measurement or your interpretation of your measurement, your opponent's interpretation of their measurement, and then if there's a conflict, how that's resolved and in whose favour it is, whereas all now, that all, you know, because of the respect of everyone in the playing the game, that's all taken care of well, well, well before any point of contention comes in. Um, and, you know, even the games that I lost, yeah, obviously I went 3-3 and, and uh, you know, I didn't have any bad experiences at all. The games that I lost, my opponents played better than me, um, but, you know, they still respected me and I still respected them and, and you still, you know, share a laugh, share a beer with them, you know, shake their hand, say thanks very much, you know, I mean, there was no, um, and, and certainly from my point of view, and, you know, just um, socialising with everyone else too, everyone had the same feeling about, you know, it's really great to go to this event because of the people, because of the highest quality of play and the highest mutual respect for each other, and I think that's very important. Um, and, it, and it just, yeah, it also just, just adds another great element of the whole event and the whole community and the game we play. Uh, that reminds me, one of the worst problems with going undefeated, and it's the biggest first world problem ever, but it is that you're not allowed to, slash you really shouldn't drink on the first night. <laughs> it's, it's quite tragic. Like, I'm not going to lie, when I went downstairs, like, before, because we were undefeated, we went through, we, like, basically retreated back to our rooms and did grids, but on the way over, I ran into, like, Norbert and a couple of other people. Norbert was wielding a vodka bottle, like a weapon. <laughs> it was accosting people with shots. I think I got away with only doing about two shots. I'm like, oh, this is super dangerous. <laughs> Yeah, like the yeah the camaraderie, and I'm really glad that we get to take also not just ourselves and we go and have a good time, and also we take others like especially the guys on the newer team. It was really fantastic to give those guys like part of the experience as well. And yeah, that 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 first night though is usually pretty messy. <laughs> uh, actually, definitely messy in the case of one certain Welshman who pretty much had to be watched to make sure he didn't vomit himself to death, and several other individuals who shall not be named. So I, I guess I was fortunate enough in the sense that I, on the first night, I did not want to drink because I was absolutely blind on the Thursday night. Uh, I don't really want to go too much into the story of that, but needless to say that Brian would save my life. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I would have actually lost a kidney in Warsaw uh, if he would not got me home. But I did end up waking up that morning with um, completely naked in our bathroom that Jeff Blair walked in and tidied me up, and he probably once again... Saved my life for the second time. So I'm very grateful. <laughs> yes, we were we were a bit concerned about some of the other uh, quality of uh, you know tenants at the uh, hostel. It's to say, so. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that you got home safely. And uh, and <laughs> it was actually quite funny because to share that story, not not uh, not to embarrass you or, or go on any any gory details. No, definitely to embarrass him. <laughs> but uh, obviously. Uh, Pete and I were uh, were our bunk buddies, so um, 
everyone knows I'm a big man and I obviously snore and, and uh, obviously Pete snores a little bit too. But you kind of, you know, obviously when you spend a bit more than a week with someone, you kind of get familiar. And then familiar with the sounds, snoring, so forth. And I remember that I got up whatever time to go to the bathroom, the one that you were locked in, and uh, the door's locked. And I thought, oh, okay, there's someone in there. That's, you know, like four o'clock or something, you know, got to get up and go to the bathroom. And I could hear this snoring sound. And then I just paused for a second. I'm like, that's pretty familiar, you know. And then I, I, did, I did actually have to go back because you're on the top bunk. I had to go back into the room. You were there. And then I was pretty sure I'm like, well, at least I know where Pete is. I don't know how long he's going to be in there for, but I'm pretty confident Pete's in, Pete's in the bathroom and that's exactly where you were. Uh, thank, you. thank you very much. Uh, I think I think the best one was like so Hickling that day missed out on the festivities because he went to um what was it? He went to Krakow actually. Krakow for salt mines and yeah. Yeah. Now he came back at about three o'clock in the morning or so and he looks at the bunk and he's like, Okay, Affy is missing. Alright, fair enough, it's Affy. Brian Woods is missing. Whoa. That's a big night Brian Woods is missing. <laughs> oh. Thank God that man doesn't drink. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, for my part, for my part, I was I, I was like fucking hammered by twelve or one or something like that. I don't remember. I, I I mostly woke up. Remember waking up on the toilet and then throwing up. Uh, so yeah, that was a very very sober Friday day. <laughs> yeah, th- Thursday night drinking is good because it makes you not want or not be able to drink on a Friday night. I was disappointed. Indeed. I never got to play in the Ashes, but um, I, I think uh, not getting smashed by an Englishman because that would have 100% happened on the Friday night was good for my confidence. <laughs> yeah, <So>. definitely. <laughs> Fair cool. Yeah. But it's funny how, again, you know, the uh, the adventures of our time, you know, and as I said, we can all look back on it and, you know, look on it fondly in terms of, you know, oh, this happened and that happened and, and you know, oh, this guy, you know, uh, for me, it's all part of the memory, you know what I mean? It's all, and it's all, all part of something that, that, you know, you're a small cog in a, in a, in a bigger machine that you can look back fondly upon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's the, the whole, like, there's always context involved with a lot of every decision, and it comes into its own in WTC when you're just like, how did you learn, like, why did you do this? Why did you pick this? Why did you do that? Well, sometimes the decision, because I got really drunk last night, and I decided that this was, this was way... <laughs> the only course of action. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, I remember the ashes. Uh, the ashes was definitely that for me because I was I had a I had a nap because you know I wasn't in the best of states myself. I woke up. I'm like, all right, I'm feeling better, but I really don't want to play a Rusk right now. Just give me someone I can play Vlad into. I'm gonna pretend my hardest that I'm thinking of dropping my other list, but I'm not. I'm just dropping Vlad. <laughs> it was a good game. It was a good lead up too. And uh, yeah, and, and, that's, and that's and that, that's probably another thing that's probably worth just talking a little bit about. Um, part of the rivalry and, and, and the camaraderie with the English and obviously long before our time there's a big history that goes back between there but that's also something, a part of the event that you look forward to. Unfortunately we went down in the ashes so uh, our, our dear friends uh, continually remind us that uh, we went down in that but it also just gives a bit of, bit, bit of, bit of fuel to the fire about to come back next year and uh, you know try to, try to avenge that loss. Um, but I think on a serious note, I think for both uh, teams, um, 
and feedback from it. It's just it's great to get that game in kind of before the event. It's a good warm-up. It helps definitely for our new guys. Uh, definitely helps kind of ease the nerves. I remember when I was a new guy in 2015, you know, that was the first game that I played. You know, you get a win under your belt or you play a good game or even if you lose, you get some experience um, for like, yep, cool, this is what it's like. Um, as I said, it's a, it's a good uh, it's a good test to kind of kind of get yourself prepped for what you're about to do in the following two days. And I think um, I know that obviously it's cotton wool, cottoned on maybe, or, or or been happening at the same time. But I know obviously Canada and America have a pretty good rivalry. They do they do a pre-tournament game. I think uh, Wales and Ireland got involved in one. Um, yep, I was yes. commenting on that actually. Um, yeah. there was and Wales and Ireland, uh, one of the fin- Finland and I believe yes. Sweden. Yeah, Finland yeah, and Sweden. So. I remember, remember 2015, Finland and Sweden were doing it as well. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, coming at it at two angles, I think it's really good prep, and I think it's, but I think it's also really healthy and it's really good as well to, you know, have that friendly rivalry with, uh, you know, from the social side, from the gaming side. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think it's a very good recipe for, for success, also having that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um Let's see. Just trying to think of some, like, it, it just is good to have an icebreaker like that, I'll say. Um, it's because, yeah, it just, it just helps so much. Um, yeah, just trying to think. Uh, as for the WTC itself, and honestly, a lot of the prep work involved, I think I just want to get into something, which is, uh, so... With the event, and it's something I noted last time I did a cast here, is that I think leaning, going to the WTC, uh, when you're picking lists, you tend towards lean, picking more generalist kind of lists uh, with maybe a skew thrown in. So how did you go find it yourselves? Because the thing is, ADC um, played Osram all weekend, but he had this Gordon list paired with it that he put a lot of effort into. In fact, we all put a lot of effort into making that list as, like, freaking disgusting as possible. It was funny how it never got dropped. Um, About 90% 90 of the games I played after Winnicon, so that's, um, I don't know, that's nearly three months or about at least two months. The the only list I was playing was really Gordon. Uh, And the Newcastle meta were saying for a little while that they were they were they were happier to see me play uh, Osram rather than Gordon because it is the man spam Gordon list is a disgusting list. Um, I I came to the position where I I'm, I'm always going to be more confident with Osram having um, played Osram for about two years you know to a lot of events and I've done well with Osram. Osram himself I think is a far stronger caster than Gordon. I don't I don't think people can argue with that. But that the Gordon list can just it almost accidentally wins on so many different scenarios. On Mirage and on um, Spread the Net, it is it is a monster of a list. And um, if people don't know how to play against it, I think they, they do, inherently will just lose that game on, on lack of knowledge and lack of knowing how to play the feet. Um, I remember I, I, I played Pavel in the last rounds, the Convergence player from uh, Poland, and he spent... A few minutes just asking me numerous different questions about the Gordon list. Because, you know, what does Gordon do? What's the spell list? And he asked that one question that every Gordon player ever wants to hear, and it's just, what does Gordon's feet do? Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was pretty well certain that he was trying to hoodwink me into playing that list, but I was, I was dropping Ostrom all day. And the, the fact that I'd gone, I'd gone up to that point 5 with Ostrom. Um, yeah. Our... our 
just getting back into uh, list matchup picks, um, it came down to me and Potsdy as the last two, and we chose the last two two matchups because Poland actually won the dice and they chose for tables. And Whaley and I were talking for a while. It was going to... If I if I played into Convergence, it was a green. Potsy plays into Martian, it was an orange. And then I think it was a green and then red the other way. But I, in a way, didn't want to put Potsy into another orange because he'd already, I think, played three orange games and he played cop, uh, Convergence twice. So I asked him, you know, you know, do you want to play it? And he just said, just throw me under the bus. And then I talked to him afterwards and it's like, if I played Martian, that was going to be a Gordon drop. And if Potsy played... Uh, Pavel, it was going to be a Malog drop. So we're almost <laughs> certainly going to lose both games because both of us, I, I played Ostrom all weekend and then Potsy played Rascal all weekend. So neither yeah. of us are in a fit state to be able to switch to our old casters. Um, and that's actually but, a pretty relevant point as well. It's like sometimes you just get on a roll and you're just like, yeah, I'm stinking. Yeah, I'll just keep rolling the, like, keep running, riding the Ostrom train or the Vlad train or whichever one you've got because, yeah, you've got the experience, especially if the previous round you played it as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and, and also leading into it, particularly, uh, you know, if your confidence is up, first couple of turns, you're getting, you know, you're, you're, you're identifying strengths and weaknesses, you're identifying deployments, you're getting used to terrain setups, table setups. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly good to, you know, dare I say it, keep, keep the momentum rolling. Um, and I mean, you know, obviously hats off to you, Pete. Um, you know, obviously or to both of you guys, you know, you're obviously six and oh and five on respectively. Um and uh, you know, you guys were definitely our backbone and uh you know, it, it certainly was from from my point of view, it was it, it was it was just great to watch you guys apply your trades, do your things and uh you know, for me obviously, you know, I was a bit down on myself for losing a couple of games, but it was certainly was a huge it was a huge boost for my confidence as well watching you guys play because not only obviously the results straightforward, but just in the manner that you did it. Um, you know, and I'm I'm talking about your playability as well as your sportsmanship and, you know, just proud to be on the team and just proud to see you guys, you know, do as well as you did and uh, obviously allowed uh, the, all of us to enjoy, you know, enjoy that ultimate success. So, you know, hats off to you two guys. Yeah, thanks. Yes, man. Thank you. Yeah. I think um, it's been said by other casts, but every single round someone pulled through in a way, you know, like when we got the wins, we needed the wins when Jeff won against uh, Charles Sung in round five, we needed that win to win the round. And that, I think um, we we had that as a yellow, but in some ways, depends how you look at that game. I've played that game against Jeff, that Kalissa versus Ostrom game. And um, the Ostrom player can win that game for sure, but he needs to win that game in two round, in two turns. Well, if he doesn't win two turns, he can be assassinated quite easily, I think. Well, I was, I was, I was going to say, you obviously touched on a little bit about your stories in Estonia, mate, and if, if it's all right, and obviously you guys talked about it, can you just recount what happened there? We obviously talked about Plotsy's game a little bit, but can you, can you recount what happened there? Because, to be honest, I've tried to tell a few people, and I know I've got the story wrong, so I'd love to hear it again. Oh, so it is, it is Charles versus uh, Jeff. I, I played the Kalissa versus Ostrom game, Three times with Jeff. The first time I played it, I thought, this is a piece of piss. This is a green game. The second time I played it, Jeff played it much, much better because he understood how the game works. This is a yellow game. The third time we play it, suddenly Jeff just throws a random backlash on one of my jacks. 
and just ends up doing like nine or ten points of damage to Osram. And I'm like, fucking hell, if you, the Grizzle player just plays for this, I don't think Osram can win unless you win in two turns, right? So this suddenly went from a green to an orange or whatever it's going to be. So we get that draw, we get that matchup, and I end up pulling Jeff away. And I know Charles, well, I've had good chats to Charles, particularly about Osram, like Mercs and whatnot. And I'd pull Jeff away, and Charles almost came over to join the conversation. And I, I did the whole, hang on, man, hang on. And he walked away. Like, I'm sure he wasn't trying to cheat. Like, Charles just enjoys the laugh. But I said to Jeff, you know, you've got to play it like we played that third game. You've got to play, play for backlash 100%. That's, that's your win condition. Um, because it was a pretty live scenario. It was uh, two circles on the side and then... Uh, standoff, you know, I believe. Standoff. Yeah. Um, so, uh, having t- spoken to both Charles and Jeff about it, it, it seems about turn three and Charles is winning the game and he's three CPs up. But Osram is on nine boxes left. And for whatever reason, um, Jeff is unable to hot swap the backlash onto a different jack. So he's, he's got a basher that's got 14 boxes left. Uh, and that's the, uh, that's the backlash target. Um, so he runs through his turn to the point whereby Jeff is forced to kill box himself uh, just because of positioning in terms of getting the models in the right position because things like uh, the Electromancers, they can do one point in damage, but they need, you know, everything needs a, an, an appropriate landing spot. So Jeff is kill boxing himself. He's, he's ending his turn to lose the game. And then he needs to basically do uh, nine individual points of damage to this 14-box basher in order to kill Ostrom, right? Because the previous turn, he'd, he'd got a uh, Eris 1 Disruptor Bolt shot off on Ostrom, so Ostrom was on zero camp. Um, one of those shots that was going in on the Basher was actually from a, uh, a Sniper. So there's three guaranteed points there. So that, that leaves you with an 11-box Basher in order to, and you have to do eight boxes on Ostrom. And sure enough, the majesty that is Jeff Galea. Just, <laughs> all he does is just all day is just roll perfectly average dice. So Jeff, he's got three uh, harpies in his list, and all three harpies are up at that point, I believe. Could be wrong about that. But harpies are a power 13 shot, and uh, they've got two shots. So power 13 dice off six is average dice should do exactly one point. Sure enough, every single every single one of those shots, those six shots, he ended up doing one or only two points. And um, he kills the Basher on his last attack to kill Ostrom, doing, you know, quite a bit of damage to uh, to the Basher at that point. So it was the one point where he spiked the dice, but he, but he got enough damage on Ostrom to kill it. And that was yeah. our round. <laughs> that was our round to get into the WTC final. Like, <laughs> like, if you talk to Jeff, he will say the previous turn apparently he missed... He, 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 he rolled under average and he, he could have done an additional five points of damage to, uh, to Ostrom on that turn. And suddenly, if it's that the case, it's only, it's only an Ostrom with four boxes on a basher. And, you know, that's a lot better odds. But it, it, that was just, the, he needed pure mint dice. Um, we mm. did, we ran some averages, and that's hard math to kind of math out. But I think it's somewhere between five and 10% the likelihood that you're going to pull that assassination off. Like, it, 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 was, it was beautiful, beautiful thing to watch. But I just, I nearly cried when he told me that story because I just thought, what the fuck? How, how is that what got us in the final, you know what I mean? 
And that's that's what I was saying. Like uh, two years ago, when we had that 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 after holiday, we were lamenting things like that because we could have won. But in this instance, it was just like that's just amazing. That will never happen again. No, I, not I can at all. Guarantee. Not at all. It was just yeah. yeah. And it's one of those things for us, obviously. You know, not getting too carried away because uh, you know we've been at this point a few times. But you know, when you piece all those memories together and you think about how this happened, and you know, just all the whole lead up and and each game by game, round by round, and particularly in the way that we did it, whereas you know it was a lot of like, geez, I went down, but far, geez, I'm lucky that this guy had a win, and then they went down, and they're like, geez, I'm I'm lucky that Wale had a win, or I'm lucky that Chris had a win, or Jeff had a win, or David had a win, and 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 Pete had a win. It just, as I said, for us, just. Captivating it all together, um, you know, and that roller coaster ride that we had, and we were just lucky that, you know, when when we needed some help and things went our way, they did, um, you know, and it just all came through. It just certainly makes for you know just some, some pretty special memories. So. Good sure. stories as well, yeah. I think I think one part of it is like we got lucky, but we also we set ourselves up to be lucky, which I think is yeah. one really important part of it. Like. We didn't give ourselves matchups, which were literally auto losses. We also, like, I, as you said, how did Jeff come to the conclusion that Backlash kill Backlash killboxing himself was the way to go in that game? Well, how do you know? It's when you guys played that matchup three times. Um, and then Jeff tried something unusual in the form of just, like, going all in on the kill, on, all in on the Backlash play and seeing how it went. Which I think is just one thing with the WTC is, like, it gives you a it's a kind of strange event to me because basically as far as we're concerned, once the WTC list drop, the meta sort of freezes because you pretty much don't want to care about anything new for the time being. Cause it's not going to be relevant for the WTC. It means that you can really dissect what's currently popular and good. Like the game has been moving faster recently due to just CID and their release schedule, how they've been pushing things. But that also, like, for a certain point in the year, it just sort of stops, and then you start really dissecting stuff. It's why WTC statistics, look, they're always they're, they're kind of the worst and the best at the same time somehow. They're the worst because they get way, way overanalyzed, and, you know, you get they unfortunately give bias justification to Potsy's decision to never play Scorn again and to always tell us that it's terrible and unplayable and all that. Um <laughs> But at the same time, they are actually, it's about the best you can get of a snapshot of War Machine at any one given time. And it's you'll pull some weird data out of it, but you're still getting something of value there. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and I think also, just to jump on that a little bit, and you obviously touched a little bit on Pete, I certainly, from my list, I felt that, um, you know, obviously, if I had my time again, would I change anything? No. But I think I would have... And it kind of sounds silly, and I know I've spoken about this on other casts as well, but the, 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 the impact that Nine Slayers had and how everyone was very, very prepared for Nine Slayers, you know, if or when I go back again and I try, you know, try to go back to the WTC um, or, or any event leading up to it, I, I, you know, again, I've got utmost respect for, for the Polish because when you look at their list, and I know that we we always, every year, we have a, have a deep think and look at those Polish lists, and they're, in my opinion, some of the most creative and 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 just going in that different direction and i'm not necessarily saying i mean obviously for them you know you can't fault them for their for their list building you definitely can't fault them for their results because they continually to, to produce results but most certainly from the point of view of i think there's some there might be some play there there might be you know without sealing their thunder i i, I think if you can look at 
going a little off skew. And I never spoke to them about it. That's probably which one thing I've had my time we should do it again. I wonder if they they kind of play these lists for a long period of time and just like, you know, keep them keep them out of the meta's eyes, so to speak, um, and they just bring them you know, bring them out for WTC or I know uh, I can I can tell you from that yep. perspective because I did get the chance. Yeah, this is one hundred percent what they do. It was actually funny because we had because I was talking with Tamar after the event, and we sort of have a difference in opinion, which was um, based on... I was finding that um, I was running, like, a lot of... Like, I wasn't changing the list dramatically, but I was still making big changes to these lists, whereas these guys were pretty much, like... Well, actually, no, like, they had a similar sort of opinion on just, like... They were had a couple of these pet project casters. Like, um, that Resnick 2 list is, like, fucking Margin's baby. He's run that for... A, a long damn time and it's like you look at it it's like deliverers you're like why the fuck are these deliverers in here and then it's like oh they, they're, they're, sorry what was that and why are there 20 of them yeah but it's just like well they're basically they're cheap and they see rat and they fucking blow up units i'm like all right sure uh, then, i think in that instance it was all about grimkin that was totally a grimkin job i for him. think so oh god i don't know anymore Oh, well, I mean, that, that blast damage on the... Uh, if you do a five-man, the blast damage, I think, is power 10 or maybe even power 11, which is dice minus one on a, on a um, little Grim King guy, and then you feed on them as well, so they're, uh, they can't get any arcana when it's yeah. on red feet functionally. That's that's huge. It's a big, big Yeah, swing. it is. And that might have been where it started, but that wasn't just a Grimkin drop because most, there's a lot of units. Because the problem is, like, if the if the deliverers ten man C rat you, which is actually what they probably do most of the time, that's a power twenty direct hit and a power fifteen blast damage roll. And anyone who dies under Resnick's feet will then explode again. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just extra damage, and you're like, that's a pretty big amount of deal. But in order to get to the point where you'd feel comfortable actually putting something crazy like that on the table at a WTC, you'd have to have put in a lot of reps in with it, which is, I think, what, to the polls' credit, is that they do that a lot. Um, as I said, I was briefly getting into, like, for my part, I felt that way with, honestly, both of my lists this time around. Um, but it was definitely a thing with the Vlad list. Like, it's nothing, I would say nothing too crazy, except that it kind of is. It's just all of these little changes I made throughout the year just by mashing it and testing it and just seeing which ones they went. Like, it was a conscientious decision of mine, sorry, to deliberately not bother with magic weapons or any of that nonsense because I wanted something that could functionally play into Slayers and Osram really well, and it was why I picked the Warjacks I did. Um, but you only get to that sort of spot, and you only do decide that, fuck it, let's put the Siege Chariot in, because that thing was goddamn mint. Surprisingly low impact for the WTC, and yet every uh, like of the lead-up, fuck, it's good. Uh, but yeah, the um, the reason for that is that you only get to that certain point if you like practice and play the meta, which is, I think, what the polls do a lot. And yeah, the difference in opinion was basically locking in casters really early. So I remember Tamaj was like, Tamaj, funnily enough, had the most um, standard list there because Tamaj was playing uh, Circle. And the reason why is because his list had become the Kruger list because no one in America was really playing it, which was a bit of a funny turn of events, so to speak. Yeah, he was. No, no, you got it. <laughs> I, I thought it was amusing because there were so many players who were running those lists 
essentially because he was running those lists and he was the innovator that formed the list, but they just formed them a little bit too easy, uh, too early rather. If he yeah. in the bag and no one knew about it, then then those lists probably wouldn't have propagated. True, but uh, I think they are the the trend setting circle lists at the moment, both his Bradicus and Ben um, Kruger two list. Well, like the guy you played, Powell was it? The guy who was playing Powell, um, such a yeah. Genius. Yeah, so that, like, Prime Conflux 4-modulator list, that's his baby. And that one got semi-propagated, because I know one of the US guys I was talking to after the event was playing the exact same list. So it's just like, yeah, it's just really good. It just kills a lot of shit. There is a, a, at least a reasonable chance that I'm going to be taking that list to Super Series Finals. So <laughs> uh, I just bought into a Convergence Army, and I quite enjoyed all the, the guns of that list. So we'll see. Right. We'll see. Batesy, I have a request, public request. Please kill Frawley with that list. Because he just has nothing but disrespect? Oh, absolutely. Like, just drop into him and kill him. Like, no mercy. (laughs) Well, you know, to be fair, to be fair, Frawley's got to fight his way through the LCQ, mate. No, he doesn't. He's qualified. Has he? Yeah, he has. He qualified at Winnicon. Wow. Some yeah, would say and, he yeah. qualified on technicality, but uh, that wouldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Play it where it lies. Play it that's where exactly it lies. right. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get into a finals and two of the people in the final already have tickets and there are two spots available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I was just... As like, I think you're right. The polls, like the Polish, really always just go come up with some cool stuff. But they do actually put a lot of effort into making it also work, which was definitely something that I think a lot of us caught were originally a bit surprised about when we looked at these lists. Like definitely way back in the day, like 2014 or so, when we looked at this list. I mean, I, I've told the story enough times, but this was where this whole Karchev guy thing came on. Karchev guy's marching, marching, marching. <laughs> Who's one of the best Polish players? And I, uh, I played two years ago. I played Tomasz uh, in round four that we were lost, which was disappointing to lose, obviously. But that was that was the second Polish dude I ever played, and he's quite a good player. Um, and he his list was Horaclaimer, and he had a unit of the Devil Dogs in it. And I I was playing Menoth. I had Resnick too, and I had Jack in our team, and we were nothing but disrespect for these Devil Dogs. Like we'd re- we'd read it and. When you think about it, it's like, yeah, okay, this might be not too bad. It's magic weapons. You do a bit of damage. They're all power 14, hand of fate. That's pretty cool. And then Tomash at the start of the game, he says, oh, so do you know what, you know, do you know what Devil Dogs does, do? And I'm like, yeah, man, it's fine. It's fine. I'm a Menoth player. I know what this shit is. And sure enough, he absolutely raped me with that list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good day. That was a good day. That was probably not a good day. <laughs> no, not at all. So for me, I just got at, just at my you know, uh, respect and admiration for him to do it. And, and to be honest, I'm, you know, always thinking about list innovation and kind of taking a few leaves out of their book about trying to, you know, um, pan for, pair for gold in some of the, uh, unknown combos or, or, or whatnot. So it's certainly, you know, a lot of factions are very deep and, you know, there might be some, some fool's gold there or there might be some, some hidden gems in there as well. It's just worth, it's just worth if you're prepared to go searching, I suppose. Yeah, indeed. I mean, on, on that's what I... Scorn. Yes, Scorn. There's, it's all, <laughs> all going to depend. Big Whale might be playing some Scorn at all the Carrying the Scorn Nation. 
it'll all depend upon how the COD goes, and I do have a huge man crush on Immortals, and from this weekend, we had our, our state uh, championships this weekend, and I'm not going to lie, a great sell for the big whale is to see two in uh, Supreme Guardians Thresher and kill 14 models. That was pretty exciting. So, oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. So, you know, thankfully Cam feeded, so he had eight. He had 14 incubi, but let's not worry about those. <laughs> it was a matter. It was a matter of seeing 14 models get created after a couple of Threshers. It was pretty exciting. Did he actually have 14 in play? He's done, he's done well. He did. He had 15, so he had one left in the he had one in the tank. Oh, oh yeah. he's a professional Cameron. Yeah, yeah. professional legal, professional Callus one player, 15. That is correct. Ready to go. Oh, damn. <laughs> actually, can we talk about that Scorn CID briefly? I know normally on this cast we generally don't, because to be perfectly honest, by the time you listen to this cast, half the rules we talk about are probably going to be, like, obsolete or wrong. But... That's a funny one for a CID, like the way they've been handling it. Because to me, it's actually more like one of the ret- what happened with the Retribution CID. It's effectively like a rework of the faction with only one or two new units in. Um, in this case, there's literally only three models, plus, I guess, the Supreme Guardian, which has gone by a, not- a bunch of names, like Supreme Gentleman, Scholarly, Scholarly Gentleman, Super Good. Basically, anything you can say with SG involved. The cricket. Um, oh, man. He is just- He's a big cricket bat. That guy is pretty, like, you the, the, You just keep reading the rules on his card. It never ends. Um, yeah, I think he's actually what, to me, he's actually what I think Scorn have always sort of wanted but never really had, to, had, which is a heavy that doesn't need any support. I mean, that's not really true. It needs souls, right? But the souls can come from the dudes in your army. You're just spamming with it. Um, the big one to me I noticed is I think that list is probably unplayable if it weren't for the thing that guy does, which is direct souls, because it just makes it so much easier to play. And it's that kind of quality of life change, which I think is indicative of how Private Press does these CIDs these days. They're looking for stuff like that that just makes it not a fucking... You don't want to basically be doing your taxes while playing War Machine, and this is one of the reasons why, or one of the ways why, I should say. Yeah, it's... it's awesome. I mean, I... I've been mucking around a bit thinking about that, and and I mean, there's still a little bit that's shaken out. But um, and look, I'm you know I might be might be uh, chasing a pipe dream, but I do appreciate the fact that uh, you are right in in that they're smart enough to identify some of these little nuances that are important. And even though it's a small change, I think it's you know a, a critical change. And um, you know, I think it just opens the door because, not going to lie, when I first first thinking about it, it was like, I'm just going to play Zar 1 because obviously he natively has that ability. Um, but now that they've actually done that, then it really opens the door for a lot of other casters in there. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be meta-changing? I've got no idea. What I'm really hoping for is if I do invest, um, it's going to be a fun ride. So, um, But hats off to them for identifying those small little... Um, synergies that they need to add, whereas in the past, you know, and I, I, it's curse word, the old scornergies that they used to have, and obviously not not just focusing on scorn themselves, but, you know, a lot of the rest of the game as well. I'm just, just proud that they're kind of, um, you know, getting better at their trade, and and uh, it just renews faith in that whole CID process. Yeah. CID does produce some funny things, but it also does, at the end of the day, I think, make the game better. Um, that's 
like there's some things which are questionable and to be perfectly honest i'd be curious to see the first post cid nerfs i if they do decide to nerf models that have gone through cid i can think of one that's staring me right in the face and may have just one tasmanian chaps in fact <laughs> fucking judicator <laughs> what is this? you're not talking about the judicator are you I am definitely talking about the Judicator. That uh, is an interesting uh, point that you've just made because, you know, you can theorise it, but when you see it firsthand, it's it's something else. Um, you know, and it's, yeah, I mean, you know, taking nothing away from Jack playing that list, but just the combination. Well, that's and- the problem, right? It isn't just that it's broken models. It's broken models played by a good player who's also spent the time to make the list better. Correct. Uh, it's, the Polish, it's the Polish nightmare. That's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. Very. We've got one of our own, our, our, our homegrown nightmares that we're uh, that we're seeing. It's interesting. I don't know how you guys feel. Um, is it too strong? Yeah. I mean, as a Crick's player, you know, probably going to get shouted down, but I think it is. Um, maybe if they toned it down to give its ability hand of fate, so you can't double stack it. What do you guys think? Uh, it would be a good change. Then, then it doesn't affect casters like Harbinger because, you know, it's got a very, very nice place in Harvey, I think, because you just plug and play and suddenly you've got a gun line. You know, I think that's a huge thing for playing Harvey. Uh, and, you know, I think he, he, the Judicator opens up a lot of other matchups. Like, I think Kraus 1 is a whole lot better with the Judicator now, even two of them, despite the fact that he's very vulnerable to being pop and dropped himself. <laughs> um, I, yes, yes. Some of us may be. Uh, some of us may have preemptively tried to counter Krios One and make sure that he never returns to the meta with our field guns. We are doing our duty, trying to keep judicators away from the greater populace. You're welcome. Correct. Well, when when Krios is the only model you can legally actually shoot, uh, <laughs> turns out it's a viable target. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's an assassination. Even Potsy would have gone for. It. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I, 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 I've only played it a couple of, against it a couple of times. Um, it's very, very good. I think uh, one thing that probably is, I, I, I think massively, now that it's speed five is a big, big deal, um, I also feel it's far too under-costed. If you just, maybe if it stayed at its own points level, I think your, your theorized change of actually just calling it hand of fate, uh, or maybe even... PP actually inventing a rule which is functionally signs importance, like giving it a label. Like they, they do that at Magic all the time. You know, they, they, they have multiple recurrences of the same rule. Why not just label it with something particular? Mm. Um, that might be interesting. Um, I think I realistically, it it's a combination of it's too efficient at, for its points cost and, like, for example, adding uh, Gunline to Hyru- Harvey is all well and good, and I think it's actually one of the strongest parts of new Harvey is the fact that you just chuck Adjudicator in and your melee list is suddenly a Gunline. It's kind of yeah. like back in the sure. day when you randomly threw in Winnegard, like Rifleman with rockets, and suddenly your list, which was mostly melee models, was also a Gunline. Um, it's just significantly more efficient. I think, yeah, 34 points is a bit too cheap. 30... Um, it's rockets are far too accurate. The effect of Severius Zero with it was never really actually tested properly because they never were in the same CIDs, which I guess is a, probably a drawback of the CID process and the way they've sort of set it up, how they don't want to cross paths. They don't want to, like, pull in other things, which I think is a problem because, like, you've got 
high reclaimers still lurking around and like that list just does work um in addition you've just got a lot of like hand of fate does weird things to math um and hand of fate on like to be honest to me the adjudicator does have an effect similar to an old school earthbreaker because of the fact of how many attacks you can make as a colossal you can wash so much extra dice through like the old Earthbreaker when it tuned up, right? Because it had the two torpedoes and then the two machine guns, which got D3 shots. You were putting a lot of... You got boosts, which were better than Hand of Fate, except that you didn't have AoEs and you, you didn't... Well, you, you did have AoEs. There were the torpedoes. They were pretty fucked. And but it was your side guns... <laughs> it was only Power 13, not the Power 17 monstrosity that's coming out of the fucking Judicator. Yeah, pretty much. Sure. True. And and just to jump in here, the other point too, and I don't want to really double down and really get stuck into this tier, but uh, it does make a big difference when a very nice tier bonus is that the model has blessed. So, um, yeah. you know, so you really, that power 17, you, you, you can't do anything about that, you know. So you, you can't rely upon, you know, buffed um, infantry models to, you know, to, to try to better survive those four... Um, Power, power 10 double hand of faded blast damage shots um yeah obviously unless you've got tech to stop against blast you know average armor 15 16 17 troops just die in droves just if they're armor 11 you know and you can't do anything about it so you know just that raw output um and if you can build a list that can allow it to apply its trade and do it multiple times um it heavily takes its toll very very quickly and uh in, a, in, that, in that particular list where, you know, it's very heavily self-sufficient. Um, and then the hardest thing is, too, it's such a range presence, but you don't want to get anywhere close to it because when it starts punching your power 21 fists with double hand of fate, like, things die even quicker. It's, 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 it's brutal. Yeah, well, here's the other funny thing with it is that it's also the ultimate distraction piece as well, which is even more stupid. So... <laughs> Crawley, God bless his heart, has basically devoted a whole bunch of time trying to figure out a way to beat uh, High Reclaimer with trolls. And his conclusion is it might actually be just not possible. Because it turns out, even if the Judicator never shoots and then gets killed, you've still got an entire army of Exemplar to deal with. And it's quite possible that all the tools you need to actually make sure the Judicator doesn't screw you over don't lend themselves well to killing a bunch of Knights Exemplar, Bastions, Cinerators, and all that other jazz. Well, funny you should say that, because uh, against England Knights in round three, uh, that game, um, the player I was playing slightly messed up his um, order of activations or where he placed his choir, and he couldn't... He was going first, and he couldn't get the... No non-magical shots in the duty. Um, maybe not quite respecting the threat of the Ostrom list, but um, he, he didn't do that turn one. So on my turn one, I Ostrom feeded. And my Ostrom list is a little bit different to most in terms of I've got uh, Rock Rams. I, I think Rock Rams are an amazing jack. But I, I've got a hand of faded and non-handed faded artillery call. To Sorry, mate, you, say, you say hand of fate, you mean five for effect. Oh, five for effect, excuse me. And then um, two boosted rock ram shots, and then the nine points from Kalaniris, and I did about forty-five points of damage to his uh, earth, uh, to his duty. And then what I did with one of my drillers is I threw the driller in his face into the adjudicator, 
uh, within an inch that he probably doesn't want to take a free strike and risk doing another, you know, potentially even killing him at that point. Uh, and then I throw a bunny in the way of Cinerators, and the Cinerators were the guys who were basically backing up the duty. Um, the Judicator then pre- proceeds to kill the Driller, and that's what the Driller was there for, thrown in his face, and does a little bit of damage to the bunny, but not to the point that he kills the bunny, and the Cinerators had to uh, finish off the bunny, only getting two Cinerators in front of the Judicator. Um, at that point, I'm trivially able to kill the Judicator. So at the top, at the bottom of two... He's without adjudicator, but then I have to still fight through an entire army, which includes feet from higher claimant, which, um, which is pretty good, which is pretty good. Like, for a target piece that does so much work of damage and, and, he, and I could take it out so early in the game, I wouldn't say I had an easy game then onwards. It was still a bit of a slog, and in many ways, dice kind of fell my way. It almost fell my way in a big way. I ended up leaving one cab guy on one box after killing all of his buddies before he defeated. Mm. If that happened, sure, it's not a game anymore, but the fact that uh, still slogging through an army after killing that, that monstrosity of Adjudicator is, is, is a lot, lot to deal with. He's an extremely good caster, Hire Claimer. Well, um, the thing with Hire Claimer is Hire Claimer also effectively has an extra free card on top of everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, just craziness. 32 why is he points? thirty-two points? <laughs> why? Yeah, it's a yeah. very good. It's a very good. Uh, and you know, adjudicated down if you do, down if you don't. <clears throat> if you commit, like you, you have to commit a substantial amount to kill him. If you do, then you might just be trading to break even when the exemplars retaliate. And then if you go into the exemplars, unless you've got the right tools and the right things to, I mean, we're essentially talking about. RFP here, but even, you know, if you don't have that, and in some cases that's a little hard to apply anyway, um, particularly melee RFP, uh, you know, when you get down into a slog and then they're going to, to uh, you know, they're going to come back, it's, it's, it's really difficult. And then you think to yourself, well, I'll, I'll, I'll focus on the exemplars and all that work that you've done will focus on the exemplars. Again, without the right tools of that RFP, it doesn't really equate to anything, and that might allow the adjudicator to do two or three turns of work. And if it does two or three turns of work, then you're probably not in a situation better do anything again. So you, really, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Well, it's funny listening to, like, uh, what was it, Jack and uh, Dimmy talk about High Reclaimer, and they're like, I want a new feat because my current feat doesn't actually do anything. Because <laughs> everyone honey traps in on the Judicator so hard, and then oftentimes High Reclaimer just kills you with his initial army. He doesn't need a feat at all. I've seen Jack do some pretty BM feats, like for three models or something like that, and still win off the back of that. Yeah, spoiler alert, he played, sadly... We'll say six games, one against me, and he didn't feed it all this weekend. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought he, no, he said he apparently feed it once. Okay, feed it once. Mm, yeah, okay, well, let's just say he feed it once. <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. But it's it's a thing with War Machine, like... um. Hyroclaimer was... It's funny, because Hyroclaimer was out of the limelight, limelight for so long, and now he's back, and obviously in part it's because of the Judicator, but he still was a freaking crazy caster, even when they nerfed his feet to not be the, the thing it was back then. True. End of the day, it's D, it's D3 plus 5 models. That's a lot. And, and again, yeah, and... And that's, and that's, I suppose, just been coupled by that. Yes, he did take a hit, but giving him the Judicator and then, again, obviously giving him um, 
given the judicator and then giving him that very nice uh, theme list is, is is definitely brought him right back on right back on that uh, you know limelight. That's what I'm trying to look for. Yeah. Uh, well, with the WTC wrapped up, um, I guess what you got planned? Well. I was just going to ask, what is your plans for the future? But I think you guys already talked about it. You got, you're on Scorn, and pretty uh, sure we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, yes, I'd love, I love to right. play Scorn. You're on Scorn the same way Scorn. I'm on Scorn, and in the fact <laughs> that yeah, yeah, I have Scorn models, and they exist. <laughs> Bates is probably in on cock or something, right? Or well, mate, I, I have three brand new armies that I've played. Uh, uh, well, less than half a dozen games. With, so. so you've got you've got convergence crystal guard. What was the third? I bought that. I bought that Grimkin army off uh, Rosie too, mate. So oh wow! In, in addition wow. to the Menoth that uh, is obviously the siren song trying to tempt me back. Um, I know I know High Reclaimer is uh, amazing, but Harvey is always going to be my bay. So yeah, yeah oh, fair enough. I'll fuck fair it enough. In. Anyway, um, oh, I agree. So, sorry, you were saying you cut out there for a second, Pete. You were saying that you were very impressed with Harvey as a caster. Is it, did I get that right? Yeah, well, it's, it's, I think the last time I played Harvey was when you beat me at CanCon, mate, in the final. Um, oh, well, that weekend, at least. So. No, fair enough. Fair enough. That was a long time ago. But, uh, mate, obviously you got a lot to go to, three factions. And, uh, yeah, well, and do you have any preference of the three? Like, sorry, what I'm trying to say is, do, do you have any inkling which one you're going to dive into first of the three that you have now, or three new factions? <laughs> well, uh, the, if at Super Series, if I could get my hands on Baldwin, I would 100% play Crucible Guard, because that combination of guns and jank is my, that is just gravy for me. Your wheelhouse, your wheelhouse, yep. It's my wheelhouse. <laughs> way. Um, but it doesn't look like a complain, so... I've got a whole whole um, convergence army, so I've got pretty much max FA and everything uh, because is it, of. Is it all is it all painted? Uh, it's not all painted, but a good proportion of it is painted. Yeah, I might yeah, have to paint a prime conflux or several other models that people, yeah. you know, may just not bother doing. No, no, no. I have a painted prime conflux. I also have two painted tips. Uh, so that's basically and a prime axiom. That's all you need for a cock army, I think. I believe so. Pretty sure, yeah. For, for me, obviously, those painting requirements, I'll be all in on Cricks. I've got a, a team event this coming weekend. Uh, obviously, I did the honourable thing of being the TO from this pr- uh, previous weekend, so uh, I'm be looking forward to getting back in and playing some games this coming weekend. But it'll be in, in, the, in the foreseeable future, it'll be Cricks and uh, waiting with bated breath on the Scorn CID. And I'm not going to lie... One of the lovely guys from Melbourne came down, Lee, he ran double Supreme Guardian. And just looking at those models in person, not going to lie, uh, I went, as TO, went straight back to the laptop, went straight to the Privateer Press website, brought up the Black Harbour Industries <laughs> and pulled out the credit card only to discover that they were all out of stock. Ah, <laughs> Ripper. You were and nearly I, in. Oh, mate, if that didn't happen, mate, we could have made a few purchases down. You know, I might be putting up some posts on Facebook for anyone who's got some immortals to sell. And, uh, oh, and man, then... that's, you're part of the, the Scorn Empire now. now. Yeah. You were tortured at the very, very start. You <laughs> heard it here first. Exactly. <laughs> we'll, we'll, see if, we'll see if this bet, which, frankly, I'm pretty sure it originally started with basically trying to prove Prozzi wrong about Scorn. Yeah, no bet involved. Oh, no, actually, there was a bet involved. That's true. Sorry. I, I, I'm telling a lie. There was. So, uh, I mean... 
So yes. I, I got bet that I could basically play a game of Scorn, and I quickly amended that bet to playing half a game of Scorn, which is pretty much what I was going for. Um, but if, yeah. they're sealed, if, they, if they're sealed, it comes out. I'm pretty excited by some of the things that are happening. And I'm not going to lie, I've got a man crush on, on the Immortals, and obviously the Supreme Guardian, and put everything else in together. Uh, at the very least, I'll definitely be... Uh, and, and I, I, I've got half a bit of a scorn army that I'm kind of looking after from one of my buddies, but I might end up basically just buying that from him and putting some proxies down and just taking it for a bit of a spin. We'll see how we go. Ah, uh, the frawly approach to collecting armies. <laughs> <laughs> just borrow. Yeah. All right. Well, I think given we're talking about scorn and scorn being one of my least favorite subjects ever, nah, not really. <laughs> but I think we're diverting, so we probably should wrap this up. Is there anything you guys want to cover before we leave? Because, look, We've gone into a bit about how we did the list pairing process. Well, we, did we really, I think? Somewhat. Sort of, touch on a little bit, but, you know, you know yeah. it's, uh, I think for me, just wanted to touch on how much of an amazing time it was. So, you know, fond memories. And, uh, yeah, it's, it was well worthwhile and uh, going to remember that for a long time. Yeah, so, and look, for everyone else who isn't Australian, like, honestly, see... You can get to the WTC. Solo Masters, honestly, it doesn't matter. It's Solo Masters still actually pretty damn good as well. Um, and yeah, if there's one thing that gets you practiced for the WTC, it's weirdly going to the WTC even if you play for some other team. So yeah. I think uh, anyone interested in going to the WTC, contact Aaron Whale. He is in uh, the process of forming Australian Super Team 2019. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're really trying hard to convince me to go, and you've got the perfect fucking hook as well, because I could win the WTC for the first time. I'd be hey, the I've only person you, to do so. I've got you sorted, mate. Don't worry about oh, the, the big God. whales getting the wheels turning in the back, mate. So, you know, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. It, I, I schedule next year's WTC to be uh, monstrous. I think Germany are going to be back with, not to say they didn't have their best team this time, but I think or they're going to... Dom will be back, I reckon, at the very least. Hopefully they'll get Sasha back. And the Polish, we beat them twice this event. They're going to come back with five extremely strong players, I well, think. Well, and, and let's not oh, necessarily forget our friends at England. England are going to be oh. huge. And and also our old... Our, and Canada. We've kind of... We've kind of... Uh, Done some damage to Canada, so I'm sure their time is to, to finally um, get one up. I mean, yes, they did beat us last year, but um, sadly, we, we both kind of scrubbed out. But, um, yeah, in previous years, we've got a pretty good leader against Canada, so I'm sure they're going to be uh, – they kind of come back at us pretty hard. We do have a habit of dream-crushing them, so maybe their turn to pay us our dues. Still, let's see how we go. See how we All go, right, man. well, in that case, I think that wraps it up for our cast. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was good fun. And yeah, on that note, I think we'll call it for the night. Good night.